1: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.
2: Welcome back to 32 Fans.
1: I'm Alex Chester. With me, as always, is Wheels Muniker. Wheels, how's it rolling? All
2: right. I feel like there's... There's no hype around the Super Bowl. Do you feel that also?
1: Yeah. Well, personally, of course, I am not going to acknowledge that the Super Bowl is even happening. But, yeah, it's a crazy amount of completely no hype because nobody's interested in these boring-ass eagles. And, you know, the Patriots are also boring because they've been there a thousand times. There's there's no story. There's no narrative. There's nothing, like, unique or interesting about the Super Bowl. Just boring and and irrelevant.
2: Well, let me hit you with this. I was just thinking this before. Would you rather, from the day after the Super Bowl going forward— Would you rather be, just in terms of potential championships won in the next 15 years, would you rather be an Eagles fan or a Patriots fan? A Patriots, for sure. I mean, mean, you have Brady, what, one or two more years left. Belichick will probably retire after
1: that. What is there then? The Brady-Belichick combo is a greater than 50% chance of going to the Super Bowl every year.
2: I mean but this could be it especially if they win like you have you, you have a team without their starting quarterback in the Super Bowl who's only getting you know the quarterback will be back and only getting
1: better. Well hold on. Well you have been on record for like 2 years as saying that Brady's retiring. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean there's no chance he's retiring after this year. So slight slippage this year.
2: I mean we don't have to rehash this a million times but
1: yeah. I I think I think I'd rather be
2: an Eagles fan
1: I mean, I, I, thought, I thought we weren't going to talk football. I was excited to talk about other stuff. All right, we can talk about it whatever you want, but I, uh, I
2: do think this is like a hot take. I think I'd rather be an Eagles fan let's than the 31
1: teams. And I'm, I'm the guy, by the way, in August who picked the Eagles as his like, sleeper team to, to win the division. But nobody – like it, the Eagles are not a team who anybody thought coming into this year was like a legit contender. Maybe it was just a fluke year. We see this every year. Some random team in the NFC. All right, but is there a young quarterback you'd rather have than Wentz? Yes, the two years ago was the Carolina Panthers when Cam Newton was the MVP, and then the, you know the year like every single year we see this. Or Hi, last Winston year, or Newton, last thinking? year it was Matt Ryan who was uh, the MVP. Every year, some quarterback comes out of the NFC, plays like an MVP, and then regresses the next year. There's no reason to think that Carson Wentz is his floor is now going to be a top five quarterback. It's possible, but it's not likely. You know, and I'm sure Eagles fans are going to go nuts when they hear this, but Falcons fans would have gone nuts if I said this last year, which I did. And Panthers fans would have gone nuts if I said it the year before, which I didn't because, you know, I believed more in Cam. You know, he was a number one overall pick, and, and, you know, he showed a lot more promise, I thought, right off the bat. And he did more with less, I thought, in Carolina than, uh, than, you know, than either Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz did. So it's entirely possible that the Eagles are here to stay, but is it more likely that they're here to stay than it is that the Patriots for the next couple of years will be in the Super Bowl, I would say no.
2: All right, so how about this? Yeah. $5 bet starting Monday, more Super Bowls next 15 years. I've got Philly, you have New England. And who's tracking this? Is Paul Paul the Saints fan still tracking our bets, or is he he sleeping on the job? So the
1: next 15 years, so this will go from 2018 through 2032. Yeah. More Super Bowl appearances. You want to do appearances or wins? Oh, wins. Either way. Super Bowl wins. Super Bowl appearances, I guess, is easier. Like All right, Super Bowl wins. A $5 bet. I'm putting it on my calendar for okay. January of
2: 2033. Oh. Oh, man. <laughs> I hope we're both still here. Or this is like more. Yeah, I was
1: I was excited that we weren't going to talk football. I was going to say to you, you know, my uh, my application to the Podcasters Guild finally went through, so they sent me all the uh, all the uh, screeners. So I've seen like a dozen movies this week.
2: All right, but we're, we literally do like a, a really long podcast talking about movies. So yeah, we're, so we're I'm not going to talk about it. it. Yeah, nope.
1: I, I saw Embargo. Dunkirk. You're and, the <laughs> Podcast Guild
2: <laughs> bargains. Yeah.
1: I'm not even allowed to say what movies I've seen. No, you can see what you saw. All right. Well, last night I saw back to back. I saw Darkest Hour and Dunkirk. Yeah, Darkest Hour
2: is uh like you have to be a like a nerd to even watch it.
1: It's funny because to me, I knew because everyone in, says
2: it's bad, and you have to be like into Churchill to even care about. It. I
1: knew going in, I would love Darkest Hour and hate Dunkirk, and that's obviously what happened. And you know, but we're not allowed to talk about them. I thought so.
2: I mean, we're talking about the best movies of the year, so Darkest Hour won't even come up in the in the podcast. It's do, it's uh,
1: the it's the second best movie of 2017 for me so far.
2: Okay. Um
1: I will give like, you a uh, list of
2: other things to see. Av already has his whole list ready, so you could ask him for that. And, yeah, um, I've seen. Yeah, most, we'll do that one in a couple.
1: I've weeks. seen most of the movies this year already. Actually, I've seen a bunch of them. Been mostly underwhelmed, but all right. I haven't else? spoken to you. what What else have you been up to? I don't know. I haven't been up to anything. I've been like in a dark, depressed. Just the more I think about this missed opportunity, the sadder and sadder I get. You know, the Super Bowls in Minnesota. It's so weird because the whole city is like in celebratory mode, but not. It's like. They ha- it's, it's like they planned for a wedding and now they got a funeral, but they still have to go through the motions. They still have the schmorg and the ceremony and everything. And, you know, the hall is booked and the band is booked. So they have it. It's just, it's a very weird uh, environment. In Do you ever right
2: think now. about how the majority of listeners don't know what the word schmorg means? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, that's but the, what are you talking there's about? There's
1: a word that the caterer uses stations. I don't know. Stationed uh, hos d'oeuvres. Whatever. Yeah. The point, the point is it's like the reception part before the wedding when you have, like, you know, sushi at one table and, you know, carving station at the other table. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about football. Another thing that will be happening is the uh, Peter King and the rest of his idiot friends get into a room to decide uh, who's making the Hall of Fame this year.
2: Okay. You, give, give, give us that quick because you're the only person who cares.
1: Yeah. Well, do you have opinions? I, I posted already. Uh, I'm looking in the Facebook group. I posted on January 2nd when they came out with the finalists. I ranked the finalists in order for me um so i want to hear your opinion
2: well i'll tell you what will happen you tell me what you think
1: should happen no no, no. i i want to know what you think should happen okay okay all right all so right. go through
2: them all right so don't s- don't clue the veterans people i don't care
1: okay so i'll say from bottom to top to me the last one is tony Baselli. just did not play long enough
2: yeah seven years yeah uh do you think he should be in the hall of fame no,
1: I don't okay, think seven,
2: yeah. you should make it for being in... Uh,
1: unless you're something like insane, or even like at least Terrell Davis at the postseason, like Baselli was just, he was a good tackle for seven years. Next. Yeah, Joe, I
2: mean, if you if you could convince me that he was the number one tackle in the league for like six of those seven years, then we could talk. I mean, Barry Sanders, seven years Barry Sanders to me. Joe probably, Thomas so.
1: on the Cleveland Browns has a stronger argument than Tony Baselli. by the way. If he never played again, I think he would be a Hall of Famer. But Thomas, but, uh,
2: I think, has eleven
1: years. Yeah, but also, yeah, but he was, yeah. All right. Uh, next is Joe Jacoby, who's just a classic example. Every guy who played for Washington in the '80s has this ridiculous yeah. overrated. Good player on him. a great team. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't even. He made a couple of Pro Bowlers. I mean, that's silly. Um, next, I have Everson Walls, uh, the cornerback. He's fine, but he's you know short of uh, Hall of Fame caliber. I'm not sure why he's a finalist, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You have a difference of opinion there. No, because I didn't see him play. I don't know. Yeah. You know. All right, the seniors committee guys, Robert Brazil, Jerry Kramer, to me, they're sort of similar. They're good players, not Hall of Famers, but whatever. Uh they're gonna they're gonna make it. Next I have Ty Law. To me, Ty Law is like a borderline case. And yeah, nobody ever thought when Ty when Ty Law was in the
2: league, nobody ever thought he was a Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah, I think but then after the fact you go back and you're like, oh yeah, he was, you know, a key part of that defense for yeah, a decade. No, I
2: don't think I don't think he's close, to be honest. Oh wow. Okay.
1: So cause I've had, had a couple of Patriots fans mad at me that I had him out. I had him as like a borderline case. I had him sort of similar to, let's say, Sam Madison, who played in that same division for a long time. And then I'll give the I'll give the edge to Ty Law because he had you know some good plays in the postseason. And you know, and by the way, won.
2: Ty Law and Sam Madison had the same Madden grade every single year. Basically, they were either yeah. like 87s or 88s. Like, well, I am saying Ty Law they're was similar never considered a whole yeah. famer. All right, uh, I, judge, no. I judge all my uh, my my mid to late nineties guys on what their grade Mad was. Tony yeah. Baselli was a ninety nine, uh, so he he should be in. Tony Brackens on the Jaguars was a hundred. Uh, Jerry Rice was 100, but he was too late for him to be 100. Uh, yes, uh, Law was an 87, same, basically the same grade as Sean Springs, if you remember from the Seahawks and Charles Woodson from the Raiders. Yeah. I could give you, if you name a player who was in the NFL in 1998, I could tell you their Madden grade from Madden 99. Okay, Jake Reed. (sighs) Jake Reed, I think, was an 85. Yeah, I don't.
1: I don't know how to fact check this. So. <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 fact checkable. You yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm it. sure it's on the internet. Yeah. I'm All sure. right. Uh, okay. Let's go back to these Hall of Famers. All right, Steve Atwater. You know, he he made big hits, so he's a little bit. You know, he gets a little bit extra hype because of that. But to me, he's a uh, you know just short of Hall of Fame, also.
2: Yeah, ninety two, I think in in '99. Right. Uh Is he a Hall of Famer to you? Uh, yeah, I think at, when he was playing, he would have been considered a a Hall of Fame level safety. I think I could take him or leave him. Like he's. He's in the, you know, he's very, he's the better part of the is very, whole of Very Good or the worst part of the actual, whole you know, Hall of Fame. He's but really would borderline. He, but, but would
1: he be one of your five candidates? Because he can only vote for five n- of these five.
2: No, no. Yeah. But if, but if I could vote for 10, he would be in there. Okay. So for, yeah, for me, he's number 12. So if I could vote for 12, he'd be there.
1: Uh, number 11, John Lynch, a little bit better than Atwater, a little bit longer career.
2: Uh, I think Lynch over Atwater. And I think when one gets yeah. in, maybe it'll help the other one. Yeah,
1: I agree with you about that. Uh, number 10. Isaac Bruce, you know, there's such a glut at receiver obviously. He's the third receiver on my ballot, so uh, you know, I could see him getting in, but there's two receivers obviously much more deserving than him right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, when we, we saw him play, we thought like, "Oh, there's a Hall of Fame receiver."
1: Uh, did we really 180
2: yards in his in his first full season? Yeah. He ha- he-, he has uh eight. He only has eight 1000-yard seasons, but they're all like really really good.
1: Yeah, he was also in the receiver ist of eras. Yep.
2: I mean he's got he's got longevity.
1: I mean to me I have him as the number twenty receiver of all time.
2: Yeah, so that to me it's not like uh, you know, a disaster if he makes it, but that's probably very borderline. Yeah. Okay. By the way, so
1: you were talking about his seasons, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have a chart and I have this running backs and receivers. Number of a thousand yard seasons, twelve hundred yard seasons, fourteen hundred yard seasons, sixteen hundred yard seasons to see how many guys had a long career, but a long career at sort of at various points, right? Mm-hmm. so as so as you said, Isaac Bruce had eight one thousand yard seasons, which is the same number as Tory Holt, Reggie Wayne, Rod Smith, Steve Smith, Derek Mason, a lot of guys. Four times he upped that to twelve hundred, so that four times that's the same as you know, let's say Chris Carter, for example, or James Lofton, both in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. or or Henry Ellard, not in the Hall of Fame, and then um two times he got fourteen hundred yard seasons, right which is something that Hall of Famer Tim Brown never did, something that Reggie Wayne never did and obviously he had a better receiver. Something Chris Carter never did actually. Steve Largent, Hall of Famer never did that. And then he had the one season that you talked about his one, the best season when he had 1600 yards. So that sort of the, that that 8421 matches up very favorably I think to to like Calvin Johnson and actually Rod Smith surprisingly on the Broncos. Rod Smith is an 8311. Rod Smith is a very similar actually, except that he didn't have sort of some of those years on the back end. But and nobody talks about Rod Smith as a Hall of Famer, obviously. Right. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Okay, next on the ballot, to me, I have um, number nine, Kevin Mawah Your thoughts on Kevin Mawa? Mawai. Yeah.
2: This is like classic Chester. You don't even know how to pronounce his name.
1: But you no, it's, you I openly troll you by uh, Todd Bowles. I say the name's wrong of everybody on the Jets, just to annoy you.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, no. Mawai was a was always the, like one of the two or three best centers centers in the league. He has longevity. To me, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And This is the problem because there's not a room to put in, you know, a, a center like this. Every he's not going to get in. He'll be lucky if he gets to the top ten.
1: Well, you think, you think he'll never get in?
2: I, I I'm not going to say that. I it's going to be really hard for him.
1: Well, so here's here's a good comparison. Jay Hilgenberg, who was the center for the Bears in the '80s. And he's a guy who had more, you know, a higher profile team than Mawai ever did on, you know, on the Jets in Tennessee. And sort of a similar career, seven Pro Bowls versus eight for Mawai, two All-Pros versus three for Mawai. But Hilgenberg never has gotten even close to the Hall of Fame, right? Jeff Saturday, by the way, do you think he'll get close to the Hall of Fame? I don't know.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Saturday for whatever reason, you know. I, but why? It's a little bit of a PR thing. I think he, he sh- if he had pumped himself up more, if he was, you know, sometimes you help yourself. Like you go to NFL Network, you're still in the media afterwards. It will yeah. help. Saturday for whatever reason was infinitely more famous than why, who played in New York, but really, well, was a yeah, it's guy.
1: hard to look. Mick Tinglehoff on the Vikings in the '60s and '70s, one of the greatest centers of all time. You know, was a first-team All-Pro five times. You know, and he didn't make the Hall of Fame until a couple of years ago, which is sort of really hard yeah. to understand. So you never really know. As I said, I have Mawaii number seven on my center's list, and everybody in the top nine is in. So I think, I think he'll make it eventually. But, yeah, he's not going to make it this year. Number eight on my ballot is Edgeron James. To me, there's no question he should be in the Hall of Fame, and it's silly that he's not. Your, your thoughts?
2: No, I have no problem with Edgar and James not being in the Hall of Fame. He was oh, a really wow. good player, but he was not, like, a special running back. You know, he was a very good running back in a great situation.
1: Okay. I mean, he had four seasons with 1,500 yards rushing. You know who's done that in NFL history? Four guys. Eric Dickerson, okay. Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, Edger, and James.
2: Yeah, none of them had Peyton Manning.
1: Okay, but he's, the, the other four are Eric Dickerson, Barry Sanders, and Walter Payton. Nobody else has done that. Four 1,500-yard yeah. seasons? No,
2: listen, I, I don't have a problem if he makes it, but uh, uh,
1: I don't think Andy he was a And he was a great receiver out of the background. Yeah, he was a good receiver. Backfield, back excuse me. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit offended uh, on Ed James's behalf. Ed James, he had 5,900-yard games. That's more than Adrian Peterson, OJ Simpson, you know, Jim Brown, the same number, more than LT, more than Terrell Davis, more than Marshall Falk, more, more than just about anybody. He's, let me see, his 59 yard games, how many is that, where does that fit all time? If you had to guess, what would you guess? I have no idea. It is the seventh all time, one behind Curtis Martin, the most 100-yard games of all time. So, Ed James, to me, there's no doubt he should be in the Hall of Fame, but yeah, I wouldn't vote for him this year just because, you know, you can only pick five guys. He's, he's eighth on my ballot. So, that's Ed James. Uh, let's talk about Brian Dawkins for a second. What's your take on Brian Dawkins?
2: Wait, so now we have three safeties. We got Atwater, we got Lynch and Dawkins.
1: Well, I have those two at 11 and 12. I have Dawkins at seven.
2: But I'm saying we have three out of the 15. That's a lot of safeties to be choosing from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, one of them has to get in for the other ones to get in. I think they're all pretty similar, right? I'd say Dawkins, I'd say in the in the inverse order we've set them. I'd say Dawkins probably ahead of Lynch, ahead of Atwater, but they're... You know, I'm sure you could make a case for any of them.
1: Well that's not well, that's not the inverse order. I'm going from fifteen to one on my ballot. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah, to me Brian Dawkins. No, the inverse order of what we've discussed. Yeah. Meaning oh, that okay. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, I mean to me he's clearly a class ahead. Like, you know, Lynch and and Darren Sharper, who's you know not getting in for, for rape for related reasons. Wait, got, can and, Lynch get into the
2: Hall of Fame just by fleecing the Patriots? Like if yeah, they resigned Jimmy right. Garoppolo, he's in yeah. the Hall of Fame basically. But I'm saying
1: so those guys were like good, like Pro Bowl-type players, but Dawkins was in the category with, like, Ed Reed and Troy Polamalu as, like, you know, defensive player of the year caliber guys, I think. I mean, Dawkins was, like, the best player on that Philadelphia defense for years and years. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, to me...
2: Like a super he, relevant, very good team.
1: Yeah, to me, he's got to be in the Hall of Fame, but uh, he's not one of my top five. Is he one of your top five or, or no for this year? No. Okay. No, and I
2: think these guys are all even. They're all probably about the eight to
1: ten mark. All right. To me, number six... Uh, And he will get in this year, is my prediction. But to me, he's just outside the top five. So I wouldn't vote for him this year, but I would obviously. You know, there's 12 guys on my ballot who I think should be in the Hall of Fame. Is Brian Erlacher.
2: Yeah, Erlacher's getting in. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that he does have, he did have a weird story come out about him a couple weeks ago with some like $120 million lawsuit by some disgruntled person. I forget whom. Maybe a wife, maybe an ex wife. But, yeah, he's getting in. I, I I think with the Hall of Fame, you have a bunch of Peter Kings where it's just whoever's the most famous gets in.
1: Well, but let's talk about somebody for whose performance in his career is almost identical to Brian Erlecker and yet isn't talked about at all, and that's Zach Thomas.
2: Yeah. Uh, Zach Thomas doesn't make the Final 15, right? Ever. Why? Because uh, he played Miami. Uh, Erlecker was just much more famous. But yeah, Zach Thomas was a great
1: player. The the NFL should be putting in 10 guys a year. Yeah, let me give you some numbers. Brian Erlecker 182 games played. Zach Thomas, 184. So almost identical, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Brian Erlecker had 1,354 tackles. Zach Thomas had 1,727. So more tackles. Urlacher had 33 interceptions and forced fumbles. Zach Thomas, 33 interceptions and forced fumbles, so exactly the same. Urlacher scored five touchdowns in his career Thomas, four. Urlacher, uh, uh, eight Pro Bowls and four All-Pros. Thomas, seven Pro Bowls and, and five All-Pros. An approximate value, which is like war for football, Urlacher, uh, 150. Zach Thomas, 152. So they're like the identical guy. Yeah. Urlacher won the Defensive Player of the Year once, which Thomas did not. But So it's a little bit surprising to me that that Zach Thomas has been totally ignored. But uh yeah, but I think you're right. I think Erlacher will get in. Uh let's get to my five. These are the five who should get in, according to me, if you can only put in five. Number five is Steve Hutchinson.
2: Yeah. Um probably the best or second best guard for, you know, about a decade straight. I think no brainer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean it was it was him or Larry Allen, basically, in our lifetimes. Right? Or Alan Fanica. Now, I don't think
2: he's 100% locked this year, but he's certainly 100% locked in the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, he'll get there eventually. I agree with you. This year he won't. And part of the reason is because number four on my ballot is Alan Fanica. And they're not putting in two guards.
2: Yeah. Uh, You know, I saw Falica more at the end of his career when he was on the Jets, when he was, you know, the fifth best offensive lineman on, like, a historically great offensive line. Okay, but in Pittsburgh, he was,
1: you know, the best. He was a six time um, first team All Pro. Yeah. Right. Which is now I don't
2: know how much of that is reputation. Also, like how much guard play? How much was guard play really being analyzed? But by that standard, that
1: but by that standard, those those the same people who are voting for that are voting for the Hall of Fame.
2: No. I, I, listen. Yeah. Right. We're talking about should and and then will. He. Yeah. I I think. He's, yeah. I mean, you know. He's in good shape. Yeah. He's probably ahead of Hutchinson on the list, but I'm not a thousand percent sure.
1: Yeah, but but do you agree with me that that both of them will not get in this year? There's no chance they both get in. Yeah. Oh, both? There's no chance yeah. they both get in. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, well, that's what's on my ballot. And then number three and two are also the same position, which is uh, Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. T.O. obviously did not get in last year for some absurd reason. I don't think he's getting in this year because he didn't He didn't even get to the 10 last year, T.O. Yeah, because c- he, he doesn't like prostrate himself and kiss their asses the way that they like their asses to be kissed. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of insane to me. You can't have a Hall of Fame without T.O. and Randy Moss. It's just stupid. Well, Randy Moss has no problem getting in. You think he gets in easily this year?
2: Yes, and then I think maybe T.O. Uh, finally gets in next year. That's my guess. All
1: right, and then, um, and then the number one obviously is uh, Ray Lewis. Uh, to me, he's the greatest middle linebacker of all
2: time. Yeah, no question.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's actually surprising given how many huge names there are at you know at every defensive position. Middle linebacker is ac- which is sort of the quarterback of the defense is a relatively weak position. Like the greatest middle linebackers of all time. The, before for me before ray lewis was mike singletary yeah and, and then after that it's like there's there, let me put it this way other than ray lewis and mike singletary the defensive player of the year award has only gone to a middle linebacker three times ever well
2: they don't compile stats right they don't get sacks or interceptions so you have to yeah. really stand out from the crowd
1: yeah i mean to me that that's sort of a surprise like you know there's so many defensive ends who we've heard about and now I guess again they get the sacks but there's even so many defensive tackles, and they don't usually get as many sacks. And then outside linebackers, obviously, you know, if you have LT and Junior Seo and Derek Brooks and, you know, all these guys that, you know, Derek Thomas, uh, the late great. So um, to me, Ray Lewis is obviously going to get in. And um, so tell me, who do, you, who do you think is going to get in? It's Ray Lewis, you said, Brian Erlacher, So two middle linebackers.
2: Uh, okay, Lewis, Erlacher, Moss.
1: Moss, okay. Fanica. Oh, you do think Fanica. Okay, good. Because he didn't make it last year.
2: Did Faneca make it from 15 to 10 last year? I think he did, right? Yeah, but I think that's where he got cut off. And I'm gonna say John Lynch. I just think it's like a it, it's like a lobbying game, and and like right now they all want to kiss up to him because he's like a source for these guys. Yeah, it's that's an annoying. insane conflict of interest.
1: Yeah, it's just dumb. There's there's no way he was better than Brian Dawkins. I'm sorry, um, you know, let alone Terrell Owens. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I don't disagree. But, uh, yeah. All right. That 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 wouldn't be terrible. At least you know. At least they're not gonna put in like joe jacoby although they're gonna put him in eventually because they're so desperate you know they keep putting him in this final 15 for some stupid. i
2: mean news. anyone who consistently gets in the final 15
1: basically makes it, it eventually it. yeah yeah but they just they have this weird artificial threshold where you, you have you, you can't you have to have five guys so you know anyway all right that, that's uh that's our hall of fame conversation all right uh, akiva enough of this football you and i have no interest in this in the super bowl so can we uh skip forward a week and uh, start talking about the olympics all right. So
2: as if you listen, this, you probably know, I'm writing this super, you know, excessively long uh, Deadspin preview, which I, I've done before. And uh, I mentioned on the podcast that if anybody has a like, you know, any, you know, if someone knows a curling expert or a bobsled expert or a cross-country skiing expert, uh, hit me up because I've only covered the Summer Olympics for NBC and for Deadspin before. I've never covered the Winter Olympics. So I'm sort of operating at, a, you know with lesser knowledge here than than I would for the summer olympics and one of our listeners said I have a, a friend I don't know friend acquaintance I have no idea um who is actually going to be in the olympics and not only that but he's like like yourself Akiva and Alex he's an orthodox jew he's I don't know I don't know if he's our age I think he's a little younger we'll find that out in a second <laughs> um but uh I think you know he would come on uh, your it's, podcast it's cute so. th-
1: it's cute that you think you're of an olympic age still Akiva <laughs>
2: What, what do you think like prime skeleton your, your, ages your
1: body's in peak physical form akiva <laughs> listen i
2: could get um we can have this conversation in a second. all right so let's let's bring him on but i'm so excited uh and honored that we have on the podcast um our first ever olympian aj edelman who's going to be doing skeleton for israel next uh uh when the olympics start next week i think the competition itself is in two weeks so aj thanks for joining us
0: thank you thank you for having me
1: All right, AJ. So you know, you grew up an Orthodox Jew, which means, of course, as everybody knows, uh, the main thing that drives Orthodox Jewish kids is the desire to one day compete in the Winter Olympics in skeleton. So it's like it's a it's a cliche, you know. Orthodox Jew becomes a skeleton Olympian. So you know, how did you become just another one of that classic cliche? Tell us, tell us how you got there.
0: I don't know if I was trying to impress my parents or not, but uh, so I was. uh, I played hockey from youth. From about age three until age, I'd say, 23. Where, you, where are you growing up? Is this in Boston? Uh, it is in Boston. I grew up in, in Brookline, Massachusetts, okay. born in Boston, went to a school called Maimonides School. It should be known to a number of your listeners. And I played hockey through my youth. I did the full yeshiva thing in Israel uh, for a year before heading to MIT and played hockey through MIT. One night in October of 2013, I was kind of thinking, how could I best continue my athletic career? But if I really wanted to continue the athletic career, it would have to make some massive impact. That would be the only way that I would be willing to kind of sacrifice the next, what I thought was eight, 12 years of my life to, uh, to sports. So as I was kind of thinking that I thought, you know, probably the the biggest impact that I could make would be to increase Jewish participation in sports and to increase the, uh, belief amongst young Jews and Israelis that, sports was an outlet for them and that it wasn't just a joke that Jews couldn't do sports. So at, while I was thinking that I was watching NBC news at, that night. Um, and, uh, the Bob said team trials, the U S team trials and Bob said came on television. I thought, you know, that sounds crazy enough. And it looks crazy enough that it would really capture the imagination of people. And I thought, you know, I can do that. So I, I hopped on Google I googled uh, Israel bobsled team. I found a website of the now defunct Israel bobsled team, but it turned out that they had somebody competing in a sport called skeleton. So I emailed everybody on that site, got a message back from a number of uh, a number of them, and they said, "You know, we don't really have bobsled anymore, and bobsled is for people. But if you really want to give it a solo shot, you could do uh, skeleton." So they sent me up to Lake Placid in March of 2014. I tried it out there, and I kind of fell in love with it.
2: I read in an interview you gave AJ that you at some I don't tell me when at what point this happened that you wrote down the amount of days <laughs> until the 2018 Olympics or it was the 2022 Olympics and you're early as a goal it was 2,000 days or something.
0: It was 2,884, and I'll I'll never forget the moment because it was my birthday. It was Arab Shabbos, uh, Friday afternoon, close to close to Shabbos coming in. It was March 14th of 2014, my 23rd birthday was that day. And I saw Steve Holcomb, who is the U.S. bobsledder, he came into the cafeteria at the U.S. Olympic Training Center where I was trying out skeleton, and he was holding a box of pizza and he was holding a medal. And I thought, that guy just accomplished an amazing goal, and I want to do that as well. And so I took out a piece of paper and I wrote down First, I Googled how many days there were until the 2020-22 Olympic Games. I sit down and I wrote, I wrote 2,884 on a piece of paper. And that was the goal until, until about six months later, I, uh, I became aware of basically the scouting report that had been given uh, on my behalf to the people who were uh, higher up in the Israeli Federation, which was he will never make the Olympic Games. It's impossible for him to excel in the sport. He can't run, and he has no future in it. And uh, at the same time, I was at a competition in like in uh, in Park City, Utah, and I heard someone say that guy is so bad at this sport, he can't run for anything, that he can't accomplish anything at all. And in four years, he'll be gone. So, uh, so at that point. I actually still had this 2,884 written down because I was counting down every single day. And I crossed it out and I wrote 1,442. And that at that point, it became my goal to make the Olympics in four years.
1: That's amazing. So you're an overachiever, basically. I like how you say, like, you know, I, I was only going to do it if I could make a big impact. I mean, you went to MIT, so you could have been, you know, like, you know, getting like a Nobel Prize, which would have had an impact um, also. I, way,
0: in so. my view, <laughs> I mean, going to a university is not... Um, is not ever an accomplishment. A lot of people would, would, when I got into MIT, a lot of people said congratulations. And I never really understood why. A lot of people said congratulations. When I graduated from MIT, I never understood why. Like going to any university is not a particular achievement at all. Leaving a lasting legacy in life is a major achievement. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if, if there are many people who go to to go to schools that have big names and never accomplish anything. Yeah, I know.
2: I for sure know people like that.
0: (laughs) So for me, it was always about, you know, if I wanted to do something that was on the on at face value, a bit selfish doing sports for another eight to 10 years, then it had to be something which really last left a lasting legacy. It left something which would inspire other Jews in in the wake of that journey to, to accomplish something themselves.
1: All right. So let's, let's look at the 2018 uh, male skeleton uh, lineup that you're competing against. You're, you're walking in the room, probably one of the underdogs. Who's the guy that you're looking at as like, as like the Tom Brady, Bill (laughs) Belichick, like who's the guy who you want to take down? Who's like the gold medal favorite.
0: Who's the guy I want to take down the guy uh, in skeleton. You can't really take down competitors, unfortunately, because unlike other, other sports, you don't compete directly against them. It's you, yourself and the ice and each of you go after the other. So there's no blocking somebody else's shot or picking them off like in football. So I can't really take them down. I could do as best as I can, but the, the, the person who would, who would be the gold standard for anybody in the whole world to take down would be Sung Bin Yun of Korea. Sung Bin Yun has established himself as the number one skeleton athlete in the world. Uh, he's battling with the Latvian Martins Dukers, who would who has for the last about 10 years dominated the sport. Right.
2: Uh, Dukers, uh, be- because I'm like knee deep in my Olympics research right now, this is a crazy stat, Chester. So Martins Dukers, like AJ said, is has been the number one guy for, I think, about eight years in a row. In 2010, he, uh, he earned silver, right, uh, AJ, because he went up against a Canadian athlete in Canada. And it's a big deal to be on your home track because you have way more um training experience runs. on the on, on the, with training runs on the actual uh hill and if i'm not mistaken there's about 15 only 15 hills on earth right so it's it's not like uh you could just you know train anywhere like they're very specific to each one is different uh there's a lot of differences right in on each hill too correct um so that he so he loses to a canadian athlete in canada goes to sochi in 2014 and loses okay. to a russian athlete in russia although i i think uh not that it's great solace to him, but I do think he'll probably get that gold medal at some point this year because, uh, like many other Russian athletes, he was uh, popped for doping. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on, on any of this, AJ. Um, so... He loses there, and now, amazingly, four years later, he goes to a third different country, and his only—not only, obviously, he's a lot of competition, but his primary competition is another home athlete from a country that didn't even have probably, you know— uh,
0: Hold on, Akiva, skills. we're talking to his
1: primary
2: competition
0: right now. Like, show him the respect. <laughs> no, that's, no, no, absolutely, right. absolutely not. I
2: didn't want to— uh, do you have do you have a rivalry with the Americans? Because obviously you're also American.
0: Uh, not at all, because I come. I never tried out for the American team. I never there was never a thought of competing for the American team. So I don't have actually too much contact uh-huh. with the American team. The American team uh, for me has always been just a nice uh, nice amount of people to say hi to, but. It's never really Right, but they know you're American, they know who you are, that sort of thing. Uh everybody in the whole sport knows who everybody else is. It's such a tight-knit community. It's uh, It's small, right? Right, because Olympians compete in the same competitions as brand new athletes. It's not it's not a it's not where you have separated tiers for the most part where an Olympian will only be relegated to the World Cup. An Olympian can compete on any track they want at whatever point in time. The only limitation there is, is that the top 15 in the world uh, can't compete on the lowest level circuit, but the lowest level circuit is fair game for everybody. So I've been competing against Olympians in every race that I've ever raced on over the last four years.
2: How many uh, people in the world are trying to uh, basically do what you did? How many people are actively skeleton? Wh- how would you say it? Skeletoners, Skeletors? Uh,
0: sliders. A lot of Slider. people actually ask if we're called Skeletors. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. um, sliders. There are hundreds of, of active sliders in the world, in terms of how many appear on a race circuit each year, it's limited by country because each country can only send a certain amount of athletes to each individual race circuit. But there are hundreds in the world who try to make it in skeleton, in all sliding sports. But it's actually uh, it's actually much the same in almost every sport where you have national teams that are are made up of the people who win their, their respective selection races. And then from then on, you have all the other athletes who fail to make those circuits and they're just training back at their home. Home facilities how do you train for skeleton well it's a great question a lot of people ask what i do during the summer and that's generally how this this gets asked during the winter we'll start with the winter taking training runs is the number one way to get better as a driver and so it's not like we just lay there after the sprinting start we start with a sprinting start then we dive onto the sled we don't just lie there for the course to run if we did we'd actually get seriously hurt people can people could die if you don't do anything so the sled is split into four quadrants on the inside, and we apply pressure to our heads, shoulders, knees, and toes. The head, like like driving in a car, if you turn your head to the left, you sometimes drift a bit to the left. And you apply pressure to your shoulders and knees to torque the sled under the G-forces in the corners. So that will be um, immensely important to steer the sled correctly. And training runs is the best way to do it for the most part during the season, during the offseason, in the winter months, we train a lot in sprinting start. The sprinting start is a critical start for us. Every tenth of a second at the deficit, uh, every tenth of a second deficit at the start, three tenths of a deficit deficit at the bottom.
2: I want to ask you, so at what point did you realize that you had a chance to get to the Olympics? And then when did you actually, you know, like clinch and qualify for these Olympics?
0: For me, noticing that I had a chance was um, it, it really it never occurred to me whether I wanted to have a chance or not. It was just doing everything that could be done to make the Olympic Games. And that really, for me, was it. So for the last four years, it's just been a nonstop mission.
2: What's your, AJ, what's your goal for the Olympics? Is your goal to win? I mean, if I were to ask an expert, which I, I mean, I did. We, it, It's funny how you said your, your sport is small. Uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm running my preview, I, I try and speak to like an expert for each sport. So speaking to the... Uh, luge bobsled skeleton expert who is a fellow named Ken Ken Childs who lives in I think North Carolina. And I said, "Oh yeah, I think I'm going to speak to uh this guy AJ, He's a friend of a friend." And he's like, "Oh yeah, he's like a friend of mine." So, I, it really is a small sport that the uh, the like the expert knows the athlete. Yeah, pretty Ken's, well.
0: Ken's, um it's great.
2: Yeah. So, uh, w- like what's your what's your realistic goal for for the realistic
0: goal is it's hard to peg a numerical placement on it just because I've never competed against all of these athletes at the same time. It's very similar to a world championships type setup. So a realistic goal is definitely being out, beating out a few other nations, even nations that are in front of me, just because they don't have the home track. They don't have the knowledge of the track, and I'm a very good driver. But um, on the whole, the, the goal itself is to represent Israel in a way which which really gives a lot of pride to the country. The, the country has given me an incredible covet, an incredible honor to represent it. So competing in a way which doesn't embarrass the country is actually just a prime objective. In terms of in terms of, of a high placement, that's yet to be determined. My sprinting start is making it to the Games itself is an incredible achievement for Israel. Just because I've never had a coach, I, I believe I'm the only one who's going to be there who has never had a coach or any national level funding, and so that's really that's really the goal it's it's uh, to create a, a lasting positive impression of an Israeli athlete competing at the games not as a passenger but as a real good driver
2: uh-huh um, and past the Olympics what do you like do you, is there a chance you would continue for another four-year cycle
0: very hard to see or very hard to know uh, it's just that uh, the sport financially is incredibly draining it costs about forty thousand dollars a year and as I mentioned I've never had any national level funding and I've never had a coach, so with a coach, um, I think just the the level of of skill would, would skyrocket. But it's just not it's not something that I think could potentially be fair to my family or my future family to continue to you know spend the forty thousand dollars a year on it. And uh, we'll see. Uh, one thing is for sure is I'm not done with Israeli sports. Uh, Israeli sports is is an old passion of mine. Jewish sports is a passion of mine. So however I can remain connected to it. Uh, whether that's in coaching or if that's in furthering um, uh, directing funds to necessary athletes, I'd, I'd be appreciative of it. But it's hard to tell exactly what's going on after these Olympic Games. Are you going to walk in the opening ceremony? Absolutely, wouldn't miss it for the world. One of the, one of the, one of the, yeah. the has that set
2: in that like you're going to be there with like all you know like every like sort of you know, famous, like super elite athlete in the world. And you're just going to be in the stadium. Like, it seems like, uh, you know, that's almost like just as cool as actually
0: competing. Um, I think for me, the opening ceremonies have always been just a source of motivation. There were a lot of times when I was in Europe in these places, it's cold and wet and awful and you're on your own. You haven't seen your family in seven months. I make it almost a point not to go home during the entire skeleton season, just because the goal always comes first and family could wait. At least that was my, that was my philosophy. And, um,
2: it's our family Kuwait is is literally the podcast tagline.
0: <laughs> 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 so for me, uh, the opening ceremonies was always the source of inspiration, walking behind the flag. It used to just bring tears to my eyes when I watched Israelis walking behind um, behind their flag in the opening ceremonies that I, I watched the recordings of for Rio and London. So walking into that stadium probably would be the highlight of, it could be one of the highlights of my life, but for what it represents as an Israeli athlete, not for being with the other athletes Yeah.
2: Mm. I mean, that does sound amazing. I will w- One f- uh, funny thing, like, even, I'm, you know, an Olympics nut, and I'm a crazy person who's, you know, uh, 100 hours deep into, like, Olympics research for, for one silly article, and I've never watched an opening ceremony, and you'll, I guess, appreciate this, because it's on Friday night, and...
1: When they haven't invented TVRs yet.
2: We don't watch TV Friday night, and it's not something, like, I ever... I'm a sports guy. Like, I don't... The ceremony is, like, the least important part to me, but obviously, if I was an athlete... It would be the coolest. Like I, yeah, I'm not belittling the ceremony. It's amazing. Yeah, that's just an ice cold it's like, take, Akiva.
1: the 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 opening <laughs> ceremony and the closing <laughs> ceremony are almost the only things. Like they have the higher ratings than any other part of the of the Olympics. Yeah,
0: they're they're pretty big
1: shows. Yeah, no, but for me, and and
2: and I didn't even watch the closing ceremonies when my name was in it in 2012. <laughs> like to see myself in the credits, I didn't watch it. it. Just to give people who are not Orthodox and maybe don't hear Chester and I talk about it constantly. Um, so you lucked out. The event, I believe, is Thursday morning and Friday morning. So you have no conflict with Shabbat uh, anyway. Right. Yep. Which which has to be nice. Like, do you have do you have like sh- do you have Shabbos plans for South Korea in South Korea? Uh, I
0: don't. I know that we're probably getting uh, probably getting um, kosher. Well, uh, I'm kosher, so I would assume that we're getting kosher food in terms of the Shabbos plans. Uh, it would be my honor to make kiddos for the rest of the team. Generally, when I trained at the Winget Institute in Israel, uh, it was me making Kiddush for the other athletes who were staying at the Wingate on, uh, on Friday night. Generally, they were there visiting for competitions that they would attend on Shabbos. I don't train on Shabbos, so basically uh, making Kiddush would be a big honor for me for the Olympic team. But we'll see, uh, we'll see if they invite me to do so. I'm certainly ready and happy. So that
1: actually leads to my next question. I was going to ask you, you know, because you're obviously training, and a lot of the Israeli a, a winter Olympics athletes train and compete in, you know, in parts of, all over the world, not just in Israel. So how well do you know some of the other people you're going to be marching with, you know, in the uh, 2018 Israel delegation?
0: I only know the chef de mission, who's the who's the liaison between our NOC and the Olympics. Um, I don't know the other athletes. Cause I've, I've I've just never met them. Um, it's possible actually that I met Alexi, the speed skater when I was at the Wingate Institute in 2016, but he was there only for a day to get some medical tests. Um, so I, again, I don't know, I don't know any of the other athletes just because they're in such completely separate sports and train in such completely different locations.
2: How many times are you're going to get to train down the hill before you actually compete?
0: 10, which is a major disadvantage of, uh, of being an athlete who's not from Korea. <laughs>
2: Right, but I mean, everyone has that. Other than other than you know the literal gold medal favorite, right? And and maybe another Korean exactly.
0: Athlete. But there's there's one more element to it, which is that everybody else is going to have a support staff and coaching, and I don't have any coaches at the games with me.
2: So even it, at the Olympics, are you're are you're so I'm AJ, I'm at the I'm in the Olympic Village. I'm I'm going to the skeleton track. You are literally going by yourself.
0: The head of my federation will be there, and he'll be able to, uh, to video some of the corners, but he doesn't know anything really about skeleton lines or how to drive the skeleton mm-hmm. sled. He was a former bobsledder. So, no, in terms of support from a coach's standpoint, I have none. That's correct,
2: And you will be the only person there who does not have any sort of, like, legitimate skeleton support. <laughs> yes. Wow. Oh, that's All right, so
1: listen, if you're in South Korea, go Thursday and Friday morning to the Skeleton truck to cheer on AJ.
2: You should get where, – where's Ken? Does, Ken knows his stuff. Let's get Ken to help.
0: <laughs> Ken, Ken wouldn't know driving lines, but I appreciate it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if you have Skeleton expertise, if you're one of 300 people on Earth who have Skeleton expertise <laughs> or, like, hanging around maybe the DMZ zone or something just randomly, even if you're on the North Korean side, we'll hook, we'll hook somebody up. Yeah. Uh, if you want to help AJ – Oh, boy.
1: I want to know more about sort of the dynamic of, like, the Israel team. Like, so so you're going to be rooming with these guys, right, in the Olympic Village? I believe so, yeah. Well, I have
0: to, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then so then after you're done, are you going to get a chance, like, or, or maybe maybe it's not your teammates, maybe it's just other Olympic events in general. Like, are there any other events that you're looking forward to to watching as a spectator, as a well, fan?
0: Israel kind of kicks you out of the Olympic Village for security reasons after your event is finished, so mm-hmm. I won't be staying in Korea <laughs> after, after my event. I'm, I'm pretty bummed about it. I really wanted to walk in closing closing ceremonies, but that's just how it works when you're an Israeli. That, uh, I, I believe it's also an issue of funding. They just don't want to fund the extra time. They have to insure the athletes. So
2: Yeah, I'm sure it's expensive at the Olympics.
0: I mean, this is the first time Israel's ever given me any money. They've given me $1,000 for a flight to Korea, which is really nice. So <laughs> the first time, I, first time I've received some national-level funding, which uh, which feels pretty good at the end of the road, essentially.
2: You hear sometimes about athletes from smaller countries, and Israel's done this too, who... Basically qualify and they say now nah, we're not sending you. So I uh, you know, I like I guess just be thankful that they're like letting you
0: That was a major hurdle that we had to overcome.
2: All right, AJ, uh outside of skeleton, I I've you know read a couple articles about you and uh it seems like you have a, some super interesting other athletic pursuits. Can you tell us about the bodybuilding thing for a minute?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um there was uh, there was just kind of a time period when I was playing hockey that I wanted to see if I could do some other pursuits with the exception of just hockey and I think bodybuilding was just one of those things where since I was in the gym for so often, I thought it could be a real good outlet to, uh, to try and so um, you know aside from, aside from what I was doing in the gym it was basically just adding in an extremely regimented diet and uh in a few more moves, so bodybuilding became a thing for over a year or two trying to get ready to step on stage and basically do the whole posing thing and look like uh <laughs> look like a much 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 smaller version of arnold schwarzenegger which uh which everybody kind of tries to emulate in that world so that was that was the bodybuilding thing that happened in 2013 and 14.
2: yeah uh you know i saw a picture it, it, you look a little different now
0: <laughs> <laughs> i looked i looked like an oompa loompa i'd say i was uh, spray tanned as, as yeah it's well, pretty wild those awful. the
2: the, the uh, bodybuilding look is yeah. pretty <laughs> but let me ask you a question let's just say and you're not going to do this but in a hypothetical world i said aj you have two and a half years to make the summer olympics you know uh jeff bezos will give you a uh, hundred million dollars if you if you qualify for the summer olympics you pick
0: the sport what sport are you picking to make the olympics Ah, oh, damn! That's really a hard one. I mean, there's a sport I'd love to make it in. There's a sport that would be more feasible to make it in. I think. I mean,
2: if you say basketball, like I'm, um, you know, everyone's going to think you're an idiot. Like you're not going to be one of the twelve best.
0: So, like, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think it's, it would be incredibly difficult. But I would love to try to make it in weightlifting. The reason it's incredibly difficult to make it in weightlifting is because it seems like half of all weightlifters get disqualified four mm-hmm. years later for doping. So, um. Yeah. <laughs> So it's really difficult uh, in terms of that, but I think weightlifting would be the way that I that I definitely want to approach it because weightlifting is such a critical component of what we do in terms of doing cleans and snatches. Cleans and snatches are basically the the top two things that we do in training in the gym to build explosive hip movement. So I mean, weightlifting would be the way to go. Yeah, no, I think that's the, I think that's the correct answer. I mean, it depends on how big
2: you are. Like sometimes, like I think, like well, if I'm you know like two hundred twenty something pounds, like if I was in the UFC. I would be like a heavyweight. You know what I mean? So, like, it depends on how how big you are, but I actually think that's kind of a good answer because it's, you know, a sport that America's not great at. Uh, No American males won a weightlifting medal in many, many years. Uh, That's actually a pretty good answer. Yeah, I'm very excited to have a real rooting interest. I was going to root for—there's a lot of funny names in Skeleton AJ, right? One of the Americans named John Daly, and I believe there's a Brit named Jerry Rice. So,
0: a lot of big celebrities— Jerry Jerry's a great friend. Um, John, I know, I know, I know actually, but uh, he's well, he's most well known for his hair. Oh, really? Yeah, he has some very handsome hair that we all love. So there's a lot of celebrities in
2: Skeleton. Now, I, I, this is a stupid question, but let's say it was like the fourth run and you're like, all right, fine. You know, I'm, I'm sort of locked into a spot. You couldn't like put a yarmulke on to go down, right? I'm sure that would be against the rules. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, actually, you know, I considered painting a yarmulke onto the, uh, onto the, keep up, uh sorry, <laughs> onto the, uh, onto the helmet, but, um, no, I couldn't just put a yarmulke on your, your head undergoes when you undergo five G forces of pressure. When you enter one of those high speed corners, your head actually smashes down to the ice sometimes mm. at, uh, at a rate of about 600 meters per second. If your actual bare head did that, you'd crack a skull open pretty hard and, and probably kill yourself. So no, I couldn't just throw on a yarmulke and do it. But uh, Samson, Samson is on the helmet, and, uh, and I'm very proud of that. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, Samson—that's it's the helmet that's. I actually went out. I don't know if you guys know of Tuca Rask, but you guys are—you um, guys yeah. are sports people. But yeah, we know Tuca The Rask, person yeah. right? The person who paints his helmet, Ron Slater. Uh, I went out uh, a couple weeks ago when I was in Boston, just visiting my parents before we before we heard the news that I was actually going to the Olympic Games. I brought him my helmet. I said, "Hey, I'd really love for you to paint Samson on the helmet. It's a it's a new helmet for the games that I got, and, um, and you know, paint something that that portrays Israel um, as a strong nation. So uh, so give me give me a real strong Samson with some wild looking hair, and um, and he did. He painted a really 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 good Samson onto it, and. And that's uh, that's hopefully the helmet that'll that'll turn some heads. Usually, what skeleton athletes are most well known for are their helmets. So, mm-hmm. um, the helmet's always been a focal point of my sliding career in terms of just trying to get people to take a take a, a story or a message from it. And Samson's Samson's what's actually uh, most of the news stories in Israel always mention the Samson helmet. Fact they they either called me the Hapetisha Yevrei the Hebrew Hammer or or where they call me Shemshon uh, which is Samson but you know the Hebrew Hammer's uh,
2: been done fifty times I think you got you have to get uh, a more original nickname than that I think we need to I, I guess so it's this. what I
0: it's what I became known for at the track because you know that's basically how I showed up I like like Samson
2: there, like, the, the slider that's not bad <laughs> I mean it's a, pretty, it's a pretty ferocious looking helmet I gotta say yeah no it's a great helmet. It's a good one. The,
0: the new one you guys should see. I'll send you over pictures of it. The new one's pretty radical looking. Actually, I just posted pictures of it to Twitter, so you'd be able to, to log on and see that. AJ, what's your Twitter handle? Do you have
2: uh, Do you have people coming to cheer you on, like family members or good friends or anything? Uh, my handle is IsraelSkeleton,
0: but do I have um, Do I have people who are coming to cheer me on? Yes, my parents are coming to cheer me on, as are my brothers and my girlfriend. However. Skeleton is the worst spectator sport in the history of spectator sports. It's the equivalent of if you were to watch golf from only one part of the, one corner for the entire day. You see a guy going by at 90 miles an hour. He disappears after you see him for one second, and then, and then you have to wait two minutes for the next dude. So they are coming because it is the Olympics, but they are fully aware that it's going to be watching paint dry for them.
2: Wow. Yeah. I mean, right. They're going to have to basically follow it on their phones, probably, depending on where they're sitting.
0: Yeah, they'll have to. <laughs> there will be giant screens there, I'm assuming, that you can you can choose to stand at the start, which is where a lot of the action happens, that sprinting start. You can watch an athlete for about five seconds before they disappear. So um, hopefully they bought tickets to that part. But, um, you know, the tickets for actually for day two, my, my mom is incredibly into Ayan Haras or, you know, not making Ayan Haras, not making, uh, you know, jinxing things. So mm-hmm. we didn't prepare at all past January 17th. January 17th is when we got the call and we had not, no plans, no flights, no tickets, anything uh, past January 17th. And because of that, the, the event is sold out for day two. And so my parents won't even be able to come to my event for day two. And Wait, uh, hold on.
2: Your parents don't love you enough to scalp the tickets? Let's get, let's get some uh, StubHub
1: <laughs> out some here. Hold on.
2: Hold on. I'm literally on StubHub right now. I'm on StubHub right now. You keep talking.
1: <laughs> He's looking
0: for tickets on StubHub. <laughs> He's looking for tickets <laughs> on StubHub. Uh, the skeleton event, It just because the second day is a gold medal event, that's why it would be sold out. But Skeletons are not a very popular sport to watch. Most popular sports are aerials, which are actually quite spectacular, but Skeleton is not bad if you if you stand at the right point. You know, it's just it's it's just kind of boring for the two minutes that you're waiting for the next dude to go. All
2: right. Hold on. We got we got some action here on StubHub. Yeah.
0: Action to the uh, to the skeleton event at the Olympic Games.
2: Yeah, but I don't think they're ag- I think it's just like a. a I don't think it's the, it's really the tickets, but who knows? Um, But yeah, no, they should look into scalping if they're already there. You know, they're kind of already in South Korea. <laughs> um, or like make it a, make it a big thing. Like next next time you go on like a, a media presence, you know. And like say like my parents need tickets. If someone wants to hook me up, you know, it's, maybe somebody will be
0: listening to this podcast and and just reach out and be like, I have, I have yeah.
2: Well, where's Ken? Where, where's Ken? At? I'm going to DM him right now.
0: So <laughs> Ken Ken would have media access. Uh, for those for those who don't know um, what we're talking about, Ken Childs is. Um, is basically the lead analyst of all sliding sports across luge, bobsled, and skeleton. He's like Europe. Adam
2: Schefter and and like and like Chris Collinsworth. Like yeah, he's, and he's nobody
0: like athlete. none of us know really how he got into it. We're just like one day he makes a um a site called Sliding on Ice, and we're like, what's this site? And then we realize it has more updated information than the actual International Bobsled and Skeleton. Yeah, site.
2: you have to use it as your reference if you're writing about this. Exactly. Well. <laughs> exactly. Amazingly, there aren't like com- competitors, you know. There's no like uh, there's no like five other like startup sites out there trying to get all that sweet skeleton money.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't think I don't think Ken is uh, I don't think Ken has to go out and Tanya Harding some people.
2: No. And, you know, you have to he has to like wake up at 3 a.m. to watch most of these races like on some like shady virusy stream. He told me it's really weird. Yeah. I, I don't know how he does it. I mean, let's be honest. If you if like this is it for you, if you retire on top here, you're never watching another skeleton race in your life. (laughs) <laughs> um,
0: skeleton is a sport that i'll be happy to walk away from to be to be very frank living amongst athletes for an entire year is sometimes a jarring experience so i'll be very happy uh, be very happy to kind of walk away from the sport when when that time does come
2: are you the fir- do you think you're the first orthodox Jew to ever compete in the winter olympics
0: so yeah in the winter olympics but but i mean it might be a, a funny uh um, a funny, fun fact that I am the second MIT graduate to um, to represent a country in the um, in the skeleton event. The other being Patrick and Taki of Lebanon. So both uh, both of us have competed for Middle Eastern countries, and both are MIT graduates. He competed in the 2006 games in Turin.
2: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna end you off here. I uh, I gave you a shout out. I like you, Adam. I knew you were coming on the podcast, so I gave you a shout out in in my From preview coming out next Thursday. I'm gonna read it to you right now. You tell me if if I have to fix it or if it's good. Okay, okay. AJ Edelman. I think I have to write Adam because that's like your technical name. No, I guess
0: so. Um, but you prefer AJ, right? I far prefer AJ. My parents actually didn't
2: know it's in Okay, Indian. so I'll write
0: AJ. I'll write AJ. Yeah.
2: Not to brag, friend of friend. But how do
0: you know Tzvi Raps? By the way, he's he's the podcast listener who hooked us up. Tzvi, wow, Tzvi is. Uh, so Tzvi Raps went to yeshiva, or as we called it, Camp Levatore in Ramat Eshemish, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we both were. I guess I guess the term is yeshiva mates while mm-hmm. there. So I know Tzvi from that from that uh, period of time in my life. Twenty ten. Okay,
2: I, I we actually have never met him. He's he's a listener, and hopefully we'll meet him at some point. All right, so Adam Edel, Edelman of Israel is set to become the first Orthodox Jew to compete at the Winter Olympics. It's a good thing the skeleton competition is on Thursday and Friday mornings because Edelman doesn't roll, in parentheses, down the hill on Shabbos.
0: Whoa, Edelman doesn't roll on Shabbos. It's, uh, uh, it's a big Lebowski re- reference, right?
2: Yes, correct, and I, I had to put the down the hill in there for it to make sense. All right, so you approve. Awesome. I can keep that in
0: there. It. Yeah, it's terrific.
2: Okay,
1: great.
0: Are you Are you a Patriots fan, Adam? Oh, I love the Pats. I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. Sorry to all the listeners out there who are Jets fans. All
1: right, AJ, uh, sorry you came on the podcast. Uh, we will have to be rooting for somebody else in the Olympics next week.
0: But uh. <laughs> what's so bad about Tom Brady?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think I might be rooting for him on Sunday.
0: Unfortunately, I don't. I haven't decided. Ah, either.
2: nice. Are you confident, AJ? Are you confident on, on Sunday?
0: About the past win in the Super Bowl, yeah. absolutely. Tom Terrific doesn't fail, except yeah. if it's against the Giants. Is it,
2: is it weird that you're going to be in the Olympics next weekend? That's like weird, right? That like you're just a regular guy. You're like us, but you're going to be in the Olympics next week.
0: Uh, the funny thing is it hasn't hit me. Um, so, I mean, I thought that, that when I got the call, it would be some kind of surreal moment where I kind of broke down crying and everything, and it just kind of didn't because um, life continues on. I think for – we well, had to, think to like buy tickets all- and stuff.
2: You had to like plan. It, you're probably in oh the, like, yeah. For the last mode.
0: week, it's right. The last week and a half, it's been total work mode. And tonight, I got to buy tickets on the train for Korea for my parents. But, but to 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 be very frank, like it just hasn't hit. And in my in my mind, it's kind of like the graduating from MIT thing. So it's like you made the Olympics. So what? You need to um, you need to actually go do something at the Olympics or use that experience to use an experience to better your community. So. It, it just hasn't hit me that I, call myself, that I can call myself an Olympian now, and um, I mean, it, I don't know when it will. I'm assuming walking into the ceremonies would be that particular point in time, just because the ceremonies have always been what caused me to kind of tear up and seeing Israeli athletes going. But, you know, am I surprised at going to the Olympics? Yeah, I don't feel like any different than I did, you know, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. I'm
2: just aging. Is there someone you want to meet? Is there someone there that, like, you really, other than the skeleton athletes that you're like, oh
0: that would Oh, be cool. man, that's, that's like, um, there's so much backstory to wanting to meet various athletes. I used to, like, deadly want to date this girl named uh, Jessica Fox, who is an Australian uh, kayaker in, um, who, who is Jewish. And then I also wanted to date, like, Allie Reisman. But it's... Uh, you know, because I was like, "Oh well, I want to go to the Olympics, and they're Jewish, and they're Olympian, so let's like, let's make that happen." You know, AJ Allie
1: Reisman is my wife's cousin, so if things don't work out with your girlfriend, I can help you out.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, Allie Reisman's dating a football player, to the best of my knowledge. So uh, I think, I think. I think my my fascination with Ali Reisman is kind of tr- dried up. But. All
1: right, so he plays football, but you've played hockey, and w- wait, wait, <laughs> so you're three. And he hasn't made the Olympics. Was he ever in the Olympics? I don't. I don't remember uh, football ever being. Yeah, there. exactly. So I think she'd probably dump him for you uh, in a second. Um, if she got the chance.
0: Basically, who I'd want to meet in the Olympics is is uh, is anybody who had my kind of story. So I'm yet to kind of look for. I got to kind of look for somebody who's made it in four years without kind of coaching and who used YouTube as their primary source of. Of learning, so I'm sure I'll find somebody there like that, and we would, we would be able to come. Uh, Do you know the story about of Aaron Jackson, AJ? Is he the is he the um,
2: the javelin thrower? No, it's over, no. First of all, there's no javelin in the Olympics coming up next week. Don't. No, no. Um, <laughs> if someone tries to sell you javelin tickets, that's that's a scammer.
1: Just Why? There's ice javelin. What about the Night King in Game of Thrones? That's true.
2: That's true. Yeah. I knew you'd bring it back to something nerdy, Chester. Um, So Erin Jackson was an American like inline roller skater who decided in March to take up speed skating. She did it for like a month, went back to like her old thing, and then in September took it up for three more months. And with four months of training, made a really hard to make American 500 meter, uh, that's the shortest distance, speed skating team.
0: Wow, that's incredible! I'm, uh, yeah, so months, I gotta go look months. out she's, for.
2: She's been skating. She's been skating for four months. She made. She made the team. She's the first African American female, I think, to ever make a long track speed skating team. Pretty crazy. So you could look her up.
0: That's. Uh, I definitely will. So it's Aaron Jackson. Mm-hmm.
1: And, yeah. and what about Peter Nicholas Taufua Tufua, You know, the the flag bearer from Tonga. Oh, yeah, those stories are kind of bogus. Oh, my
0: God, I'm not not meeting that dude. Sorry, I hope he's not listening, but uh, not a fan.
1: (laughs) Not a fan? Why? He's sexy.
0: (laughs) I should go and lube myself up and get a whole bunch of... uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, uh, you know, like, props to him for making the Olympic Games. I'll never bash somebody for making the Olympic Games. But, um, you know, making the Olympic Games after... uh, after basically lubing yourself up for some publicity is not really my idea of uh, how I achieved the games. I achieved the games in four years of absolute nonstop work of watching six hours of video a day and slamming myself into ice walls. And um, you know, it's you not really can, you it's,
2: can't even practice now, AJ. Right until you get until you get to Korea, right? Because there's nowhere to practice
0: uh there i could have gone to, uh, to, to park city utah but i just didn't have the money um it's israel still is not paying for um stuff so uh mm-hmm. the, the cost to fly to park city utah with my bags i always have to fly with three bags which are each 70 pounds so the oversized bag charges are are just an arm and a leg i couldn't get to park city utah so it's just the sprinting i'm just sprinting here in san francisco mm-hmm
2: Wow, it's crazy. You know, you think about like, you watch the games, you don't think about all this nitty gritty, like paying for extra baggage on excess bags. It's not the sexiest thing.
0: (laughs) It's such a crazy story. Like in 2014, the way I I achieved American Airlines status to get my bags to fly free for the next year was every Wednesday, I'd fly to Japan or another Asian country on an economy ticket the cheapest I could find and then walk across the terminal to a returning flight that took off the same time, essentially in return to California. And, uh, and just do this, I did it about 10 times around trip and got 100,000 miles while sitting in the smallest of small economy seats possible. So I had the highest status on American Airlines the hard way. <laughs> right, we should have led with that story that you just flew to Japan 10 times for the miles. <laughs> I did fly to Japan 10 times for the miles. I, I actually once flew from California across the, across the country to Miami just so I could fly from Miami to Dallas and then Dallas to Hong Kong. So that entire trip took over over well over twenty four hours. I, I'm
2: and, gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take like a stab at something here. You when you get into something, AJ, you don't go like halfway. <laughs> or you become like absolutely obsessed with things. That's my impression. After I become massively
0: obsessed. Like skeleton was just an absolute obsessive journey in terms of Mm -hmm. in terms of going to the tracks every day the maximum recommended times that you should go on a skeleton site is three per day and that's because anything over three your neck is so tired that it just drags the rest of the way down the ice if you take a fourth your your central nervous system gets so burnt out that you can't steer effectively but for the i heard in my first year that the reason i couldn't feel the pressures meaning in the corners you're in the corners in the first year you're essentially blind so your neck is not strong enough to hold up, so you're just dragging your face in all the corners. You, you can't feel a thing, and then you just come out and smash a wall. So it was really painful, but I was like, well, why can't I feel if I'm going up or down at least? I want to feel that. And it's because the body can't adapt to the 5G forces until you've taken about 100 or 150 times down the track. And so in order to get the 150 times down the track, I would go from California every week on Thursday during the season. I'd go Thursday and then train Thursday, Friday, Moti Shabbos Sunday, and I would go not three times but eight times a day, and um, and over the course of the season achieved close to two hundred runs in what was equivalently a quarter of a season. A lot of athletes don't achieve one hundred and fifty runs in a full season, so um, yeah, I become completely obsessed with a mission once it started. And we'll do whatever it takes to finish
2: it. Now, So now I'm excited to see what your next thing is. And that's why I really like my Summer Olympics question.
0: <laughs> um, you know, as I was thinking about it, what you said in terms of what I would like to do in the Summer Olympics, uh, cycling is one of those sports which you can actually get into and become quite proficient at later in your life.
2: Yeah, cycling. That, when, when someone tries to write a book, which never ends up happening, like, I'm going to make the Olympics
0: for, like, Sri Lanka. It's always cycling. So <laughs> Sri Lanka, uh, yeah, or, or you could just move to an African nation and, and get your free spot. But, uh, the only, the only reason to ever do this whole thing was for Israel. So Israel it is. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, AJ, I really appreciate your time. We wish you so much good luck, but uh, I hope you have an incredible experience. Hope you, uh, you know, you do as well as you possibly can. And, uh, you know, you represent yeah, no. Listen, I'm just inspired that you throw yourself in the, like th- you, the way you throw yourself into like getting miles and skeleton and uh, bodybuilding. Like the only thing I've ever put myself like uh, you know sort of like push myself to do that hard is basically napping, which I'm definitely like Olympic
0: level at at this napping point. Napping is, is is great for you. I mean, so long as you can get up and do some skeleton rounds afterward.
2: There's there's a woman, her thing, a female Olympian, her thing. is She sleeps 10 hours a day and then takes a two hour nap. So she literally sleeps 12 hours a day. And like
0: to her, that's like her secret. So. <laughs> I got to find this woman. That's like an interesting training regimen. I can use that.
2: Um, but yeah, AJ, so thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Safe trip. Good luck there. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll speak to you afterwards. Have a good one.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for the invite, guys.
2: OK, good luck, AJ. Bye bye. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Heidi Wang. That was her name. Cross country skiing, twelve hours a day.
1: Okay, Keve. So excited to have AJ on the podcast. Excited to to watch him in the Olympics. Have something to root for. Uh, we still have to finalize our Winter Olympics pool, by the way. We haven't done. Oh
2: yeah, that we got to talk about that. That's right.
1: Yeah. All right. So we'll talk about that next week. But let's we'll post, just no, we'll not, up. yeah, and we'll post in the group. Um, with, yeah. we had
2: a, an amazing one in twenty. 20- 14 that was a lot of fun but I don't I, like it would only had eight people in it so I think we have to change up the format to allow yeah that
1: that format which a few people have asked if we can do it again but yeah that's limited to like eight or ten people so we got to come up with a different format to uh the masses that are that are trying to get in you know whatever we have to make our picks for this stupid game on Sunday so yeah. uh what's your pick
2: uh uh 24 17 eagles
1: well you did say right after the uh, title games that you were picking the eagles so you're consistent yeah. with that
2: Yep, yeah picking the eagles to cover and to win.
1: It's really it's I don't know who I'm going to root for and I've been going back and forth but it's it's you know when you watch the game you know your heart just your heart wants what it wants. Yeah. So like during that Falcons Eagles game I talked about this during the Falcons Eagles game in the divisional round even though intellectually I knew I obviously wanted the the Falcons to win I couldn't help myself I was rooting for the Eagles for some reason. So I don't know how I'm going to root I'm going to wait and let my you know if I watch it which I don't even know if I'm going to watch it mm-hmm. but I'll I'll let, I'll let my heart decide. Should you – could you earn – you know what my dad does every year?
2: He takes my mom out during the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> so could you earn, like, major brownie points by, like, hiring a babysitter and taking Jen out on, on nah, Sunday night? No, because
1: my wife knows – my wife wouldn't fall for that. It's not like she's going to say, oh, you really want to watch that. You know, I did that one year when the, when the when the Celtics and the Lakers were in the finals for the second year time. So that was 2010, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2008 – they, they made it, of course, Celtics won. 2009, KG gets injured, and so and so the magic ended up in the finals, which was terrible. 2010 was when they lost in Game 7. On the night of Game 7, I got tickets to the ballet for our anniversary, mm. and I thought I was going to get so many points for that, yeah. and instead, she was just mad at me for looking on my phone for like score updates. Uh, and I was like, I'm literally giving up game seven of the finals for my favorite player ever. Uh, now, by the way, I was I was we were going to be home for the second half, but I was just, you know, checking the first half from time to time on my phone. And instead of getting credit, oh, wow, you took me to the ballet during game seven of the NBA finals. It was how dare you look at your phone three times during this stupid. I mean, This is why ballet. you're
2: like so much of a better husband than me, because I would never go to the ballet. Even,
1: like, even if, if my wife said
2: NBA like finals. my if my wife. No, just in general. Like, even during the Pro Bowl, I wouldn't go to the ballet, and I've never watched the Pro Bowl. Like, if my wife said it's time to go to the ballet, I'd say, well, like, start Googling divorce lawyers." Like, I'm not <laughs> – I would never – like, if I don't want to do something, I'm pretty, like – I don't know. I've put myself in a position in life where – Yeah, I know. I know.
1: Don't do I know. You're, you're, you're a child. I've, I've seen your, your eating habits. So, All right. So, my pick – I took the over on 47 and a half. I just all – the, all the, other than the 17 – other than against the Giants, obviously. The Patriots tend to high-scoring Super Bowls. I think this one's going to be higher scoring than we think. I think Nick Foles is actually going to move the ball a little bit because I have no respect for the Patriots' defense. I will say uh, the Patriots will win thirty-one to twenty-seven, but it won't be close. So it'll be thirty-one twenty, and the Eagles will get a touchdown, sort of like they did the last time they played the
2: Patriots. And the is Brady your MVP? My MVP is Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi for MVP? Wow. Yeah. What so kind that of trade finally comes
1: that. through. Yeah.
2: I also, by the way, if you're not in the if you're not in the Facebook group, I'm going to put the. Uh, I think it's 11th annual or 12th annual Super Bowl prop bet game, which is 25 questions. Uh, You can print out a bunch of them and then bring them and bring pens, uh, because people always forget pens, and it's always like in the 20 minutes beforehand. Uh, Bring pens, and it's like yes or no, or over, under, or this player, that player type questions. It's a fun game. You could fill it out in like five, ten minutes. Bring it to your Super Bowl party. Uh, Everyone put in five bucks, or if you don't gamble, or or maybe more if you're a uh, big baller. Um, Or you could even... I think this year I let people join mine. Uh, It's just $5 per person. So uh, I'll post it in the group and you could either, you know, print it out as a word document and bring it yourself or join mine, which Chester usually does. But yeah, JJ, my MVP.
1: All right. JJ, your MVP. I get, look, if the Patriots are winning 31-20 or 31-27, I said, I think I gave the, the mm-hmm. Eagles a late cover. How is it not going to be Brady, right? Like what yeah. would another guy have to do to, for it to be him?
2: Well, if maybe one of the guys gets all the touchdowns, which Valachek which does like once a year, like if Deion Lewis got like three touchdowns or
1: something. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think that, I mean, you could have made an argument know, last they year for, for James White. Once you have a
2: few MVPs, it, they look for another guy to give it to, a la Duncan versus Parker in the fourth
1: one. Or. Yeah, yeah, that, that was an abomination. Of course, Paul Pierce stole it over KG, mm-hmm. the only chance KG had, which is an abomination as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, so I guess it's going to be Brady, and then we're going to have to hear about that again. And then we'll have the long slog of no football for another nine months. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, well, I wish
2: we had the XFL. Now I kind of get why the XFL could work. yeah. I I have the same feeling
1: that I had like after like the season finale of Game of Thrones like Mm -hmm. I was underwhelmed the season did not end how I wanted it to end but still it's so far away until the next one and it makes me really sad
2: yeah I don't care about Game of Thrones enough to have that feeling yeah
1: yeah, I have that with football and
2: every time I end a meal I feel that way until like after the next (laughs) meal because the thing about eating is like it's not there's nothing good out of like you finish and then it's like that doesn't do you much good for more than like you know, a few hours, like half a day. Eight no. minutes.
1: Oh, I was gonna say eight minutes. No, I'm saying
2: like even the thought of the meal, it's like alright, that doesn't that just gets you to your next meal. Like you're only as good as your last meal. Yeah,
1: but but as Jerry Seinfeld says, you know that there's no shortage of appetites coming. So I love food. Alright, we've checked all the boxes. Game of Thrones, Seinfeld, all the references have been made. Akiva, I will talk to you next week. Maybe. <laughs> Bye.